If you are like me and know that free enterprise is the greatest opportunity in the world, but you also see there are huge issues starting to arise, like why is mentorship decreasing in popularity? Why do entrepreneurs like us who love to succeed see people fail at the top and never leave true significance? And how do people like us make a lasting impact on the world? And is it possible for enough entrepreneurial leaders together to make a real difference? These are the blaring questions, and this podcast is the answer. Journey with me, your host, Christian. Together, we will challenge the status quo and conquer our legacies. Thank you so much for tuning in to Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. My name is Christian D. Evans, your host. Hey, guys, we have someone very special on because I'll tell you this. He is the Australian social engineer, people hacker. He uses AI, artificial intelligence, to hack influence and persuasion, sharing tips on how to connect with people faster. See, we wanted to actually get someone on here that knows a lot of how these tips and tricks on how to connect at that deeper level very quickly with amazing techniques. He applies his criminology, law, and gamification training to hacking human communication, helping people to discover the hidden message or opportunities within each conversation. This man is the CEO of BehaviorSales.com, a behavioral intelligence company. He's the author of five books, in, uh, international speaker, been on Fox News and hundreds of podcasts, radio interviews, and so much more, and is a part of the team that created software that analyzes body language and your spoken words. You can discover someone's personality based on the words they use. My friend, Benjamin Bressington. How you doing, my man? Man, I'm excited to be here. Awesome, man. I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, you've got a ton of uh, a ton of just uh, incredible, incredible knowledge that I want to uh, really kind of dive into it. Uh, but, you know, before we jump into this, Ben, you know, obviously, you know, going from criminology to law to, you know, obviously hacking people's influence and, and building that trust and so forth. How did you get there? I mean, what, what was that journey look like for you, man? Well, uh, at the end of the day, like the whole criminology stuff is where it all started, right? I got, I was getting trained by the FBI on how to profile people. And I was looking into personality personas and like understanding what makes people tick, right? And that's where the real passion kind of got ignited. What I didn't realize is that I'd be applying that learning for the rest of my life and, and applying it without even realizing it into things I was doing. Uh, like a, we started doing gamification. We started doing sales and marketing. And every time I approached sales and marketing, I added this kind of like forensic profile, CSI type profiling into what I was doing. And I wasn't aware of what I was doing until a few years later. And, and it's always passionate because it always started because, man, I sucked at sales. I sucked at communication. I was a shy introvert who, when I was running a business, people would walk into my coffee shop uh, in the early days. And literally, I was so nervous, so scared. They'd walk in the door and I'd literally ask them, can I help you? Which is the dumbest thing you can say in sales because there is a pre-built response everybody has when you walk in to a store and someone says, can I help you? What is it? Of course, they're going to say no, naturally. Yeah. Or they're going to say, just looking. Yep, and, then, just- and then I'm like, and like, this is stupid because like they're walking into my coffee shop. They literally got three choices, coffee, pool table, or internet access, right? The thing is, is and they're saying, just looking. I would put my head down, which means I've like to them, they're thinking I've lost interest, but I'm just so shy. I can't even like look them in the eye. Right. And the thing is, is they would turn around and walk out the door and you do that for a few months and you realize, well, this ain't going to get me anywhere. So what the bejesus is going wrong and how do I transform this process? And what most people like, they're like, man, I experienced the same thing. They've got anxiety with cold calling or they don't know what to say. They don't know how to introduce someone or they go to a networking event 
and they don't know how to connect and have a conversation with people. And that's why, like, that's why we just published the book, People Ignorant, because we've become ignorant to this basics of conversation, basics of communication. We've become ignorant to understand personality types, thinking that we're all the same and that your style is my style. And so when you present, you're presenting your way rather than understanding what are the style that I need and how do you connect with me? and build that following and audience. Or there's the whole inauthenticity game, which is huge right now. Everyone is trying to be somebody else and therefore inauthentically being who they really are. And we can track that in linguistics. And you can see that in the ability to create trust and rapport. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And what I find so interesting is unlike most people where they where they hit their head against the wall you know, 100,000 times uh, and they never step back and say, okay, let me analyze this. And why is this approach not working? You obviously did a lot of analysis and saying, okay, there's got to be a different approach on how you do it. Um, what, what Was there a mentor that stopped you or was it just you just stopping yourself and saying, okay, I'm, I'm analyzing this. This approach is not working. And obviously apply what you just mentioned, these other techniques. There's been hundreds of mentors. There's not one magic. Everyone's gone, hey, who's the one mentor you followed to get this secret source? I'm like, no, there's been hundreds. There's been people who do CIA body language training for black site interrogation for spies and stuff like that. There's been self-help gurus where I've worked behind the scenes to understand who their mentors are. There's been, I've worked with some of the top sales trainers in the world. And what's really interesting now is how we're applying this to sales is that I can literally see the words you're using and how they are actually creating sales resistance in the person you're communicating with, how you think you're using a script that is creating influence or trust or closing the deal. But all you're doing is literally creating pressure and anxiety that they're repulsing from and they're moving away from, and they're doing it in their own words and they're doing it in their body language. And then you're wondering why I got ghosted or you're like, man, I thought we had a great conversation. What the hell happened to that deal? Does that make sense? It does. And so let's kind of dive into that a little bit, because I, I know personally, you know, firsthand when, when I'm building you know, my sales team and so forth, you know, a B2C sales is much different than a B2B, right? Because B2B, they're, they're just tremendously different. So I love to hear kind of your different techniques that you leverage uh, that you've built with your clients. So one of the big things we've done is we've actually taken the conversations that you have and make them emotionally persuading intrinsically. Because a lot of sales scripts, even B2B, B2C, it's the same sales formula. We call it the behavior sales formula. And actually, it's the same questioning process. But the way we're asking a question is we're looking for intrinsic motivation. Because do you know what the ultimate way for persuasion is? To me, just taking a guess, I would imagine it's it's pure confidence. It's just coming in, knowing and, and, and loving your product to, to such an extent. Like, you know, you just, you, you that, that would be it. But I, I'd love to hear your response. Confidence is important, but you got to be aware that confidence can get, get interpreted as arrogance uh, if you take it too far. And you can become too pushy, particularly for the four personality styles. And there's four core personality styles you need to be aware of. But if you want to ultimately persuade someone, the research is actually showing that you need them to say what their problem is. You need them to sell themselves, right? So when you actually approach a sale, B2C um, or B2B, you actually want to approach it more on the skeptical side and the finding out what the real problem is. And most people, when they're going in a sales problem, like they've, they're using the, hey, what are the three things that keep you up at night, right? And they're getting this logical response and they're just looking for the buzzword or that hot button for them to jump into their pitch. And what we're seeing is that 
process used to work, but no longer works as well as now the other process, which is you can literally have the pitch less than 10% of what you're presenting and spending 90% of your time identifying the problems at an emotional level. Because what I'm trying to do is intrinsically engage you and have you persuade yourself on why you want to work with us, why you want to engage with us and get that problem so raw that you know the consequence of failing to act. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So let me ask you, is it, is it certain questions? Because uh, you know, I know where you're coming from on this. Are there certain questions that you implement in the script, plus adding tonality, plus adding you know, emotion and so forth, that elicit the kind of result that you want? 100%. It's all about the, the framing of the questions uh, and asking them through. And we've literally got these mapped out the entire closed process. And like, I'll give you a simple example. Let's say you've got a hot lead from your website. Uh, what most people do is when they get that lead, they get that engagement, they call them and they're going straight into the pitch. It's actually the worst thing you can do. So if anyone does that, deals with this, where they get a lead, warm lead, interested lead, the first thing you should do uh, after you introduce yourself, you should ask them, hey, uh, Christian, have you found what you're looking for or are you still looking? All right. That simple question alone, when you use the tonality and the pausing correctly, actually gets them to look at you more as the uh, authority and the influencer. You don't have to spend five minutes talking about the weather or the location or where you're based or how great your company is or, hey, you've just won these awards because, to be honest, they don't give a crap, right? But that question helps you identify. They go, oh, yeah, we've just been looking for three quotes. I've got five other meetings scheduled with these people, blah, blah, blah. And now you understand what the hell is going on with them, right? And one of the, the, the ways you can actually step into the next position of that is you can actually say, so... When you looked at our ad, I'm just curious, like, what was it about that that attracted your attention? Because one of the things you want to do is you want to call them back into things that they were looking. They requested to be here. Does that make sense? It does. And I just to share with you a story, I, I've been guilty of sometimes, you know, I've been on numerous phone calls and sales phone calls and so forth that I almost assume that I know what they're going to say. And the reality is that they still need to say it, even in the phone call, right? Even though I may know where they're leading to, and I know where kind of it's heading, it's still, it's, it's very imperative, very important for them to, to say that. Um, so let me ask you, let's dive into that. What kind of questions do you, do you teach your clients to put in that script to say, okay, hey, you know what, this is, these are the questions in this kind of order that will really dial into that next level of, you know, that deeper why, right? It's, hey, I want more revenue. Okay, what does that mean? Why do you want that yeah. more revenue, right? And then, of course, you know, I'm just curious, what, what does that look like? Yeah, so uh, let me just address one thing you said. Like, one of the biggest mistakes people make is they actually assume the sale. You should never go into a call assuming the sale and because people will feel that and they'll feel that. And we can actually track that in the, the linguistics after an analysis, literally of actually tracking, uh, uh, tracking the inauthenticity. And we can actually see where you lose influence over somebody because we can literally track if you have influence over the person you're talking to. And the problem is, is if you get to the close, right, and you don't have influence, what do you think is going to happen? Nothing. Yeah, it's going to be objection city. And you're like, where the yep. hell did all this crap come from, right? The thing is, is assuming the sale is actually an old school technique, which is actually now proven to be incorrect. And a lot of people are still doing it by mistake. You want to get on the call and your sole focus actually needs to be about helping them solve a problem, right? And you're like skeptically unaware of like, we may not even be able to help you. And like, so you, you want to have that approach. And as soon as people can kind of master that framing in their own head, 
their conversations will change because they've, you need to remove the sales pressure and anxiety from your conversations and focus on the quality of the conversation you're having. But yeah, you're hundred percent right. We've got a whole myriad of questions lined out for every type of situation. Um, and we move people through several stage, stages of the, uh, the sales process. Like even asking people when you're trying to identify what's going on in their life right now, you can literally ask them, um, what are you doing now? Right. And, and most people fail to ask it. Like, what are you using that? Uh, what are you using to do that? And why did you choose that product? Right. Most people are, miss that step. They're like, oh, they ask a quick thing. What CRM are you using, for example? Right. And then they just jump in. They don't understand the, uh, the rationale, the logic behind that because they never even asked. They're just so keen on pitching their solution that they've missed it. And I've noticed there's some powerful questions and you can always almost ask it a thousand times. Why did you do it? Uh, why do you think you need the revenue? You know, you know, you know, asking that why almost an open-ended question that allows them to go dive deeper and like look subconsciously internally and say, oh, why did we? Why, you know, I guess it was just kind of, you know, and it allows really, like you said, that subconscious um, uh, or like another question is where, where did that come from? You know, where, yeah. you know, why, where, where did that limiting belief or that concept or, you know, whatever that looks like. So let me kind of talk a little bit about this as well, because I think that's very powerful. How much emphasis as a, you know, been as a sales trainer, how much emphasis do you put on tonality, you know, um, cadence, conversation, you know, that kind of stuff, those, those kind of uh, just techniques. That's not just about the script itself, but, you know, building emotions. They've been, you know, tell me more about like, obviously you're, you're, you want to achieve that result for your kids. Like, you know, a little bit more emotion and so forth, that tonality. Yeah. Uh, tonality can be up to 80% of the sale. And that's what most people don't realize. So the biggest mistake most people are making is they're speaking too quickly, way too fast, way too excited. Because at some point they got told, if you're excited, your excitement rubs off on them, but actually it doesn't. It actually causes them to step back, right? You're actually creating this extrinsic, pressure for them. Um, so you actually want to slow right down and you need to be neutral in your tone, not monotone, but you don't want to be like every time you think of tonality, you can actually be causing pressure. Um, and it's one of the things that like one of the biggest mistakes people make is if you're in sales, how many times have you actually listened to your sales calls? Really? Like how many times have you listened to a winning call? And here's one of the cool things we can do. Like if you want to talk about something cool, we can actually take your winning conversation. So you can give us like five sales conversations you've had that have closed a deal. Like we'll call that a winning conversation. We actually analyze that to create a baseline, right? And which we call the winning conversation baseline, funny enough. And we can actually compare every call you're having to that call and going how you on track or off track. So when you actually then get the post analysis of that call, you can actually see in this section what you did wrong, where you went wrong. So now you're like, crap. And this is one of the biggest problems any salesperson has, right? Is where's the feedback loop? The thought of you just making dials is not a feedback loop because just like Michael Jordan, right? If you take a thousand free throws wrong, right? It's your form. It just means you're practicing the, uh, you've done it a thousand times incorrectly and you're not doing anything to improve it. So that's one of my biggest recommendations to anyone is if you're in sales, slow the hell down, 
Become aware of the four different personality styles you're talking to and understand how you need to just adapt to them and then get clear on how you ask questions that emotionally engage them, not logically engage. So let's let's uh, let's talk about the four four personalities. I, there's so many questions I have for you, but I don't want to pivot off too much. But four four uh, four characteristics. How fast can a salesperson um, identify that personality trait relatively quickly? How, how fast should they? In thirty seconds, ten seconds? What is that? They can like? identify it instantly because literally they can take the email address or the LinkedIn profile that they have for that person, and we can actually convert it in fifteen seconds or less to a full personality assessment. So I can actually take somebody's personality profile and literally show you who they are, what they are, their decision-making process, the logic behind them, and how you need to engage in them based on their personality style in 15 seconds. So then you can use that data to have a more effective sales conversation. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. Uh, because then you just can cater and customize that whole sales script and approach directly to that personality because you know. Um, well, let me ask you this. So, so let's talk a little, like, let's just give one personality trait. Uh, I know, like, for example, I would imagine one of the personality traits are analytical. So how would, as a, you know, as a, uh, as a sales guy, if I knew this person was coming in as an analytical person, okay, um, and just very direct, how would I customize my, my approach to make sure that I'm hitting and, and, and really hitting full throttle with him and his personality? Yeah, so we call that analytical person the owl. So we took four birds because we try to keep it simple and I don't want people to have a master's degree in personality, right? Because a lot of these personality systems are way too complex. You're an ITPTF, whatever the hell that means. And like the thing is, is how the hell do I use that in the conversation I'm having right now? Like the biggest thing that I think is so amusing is that people will do a personality assessment. They'll go, that is great. I forgot what I am. I forgot what assessment I did and I got no clue how to use it in the conversation. So everything we teach is driven around how do you use it in a conversation right now in five minutes? And let me give people the four personality types off the bat so they know what they are so they can start to frame this better, right? Is that okay? Perfect, so, love it. Uh, so uh, well, they're all birds. So you can remember this real quick and you'll know more about personality in the next five minutes than you've ever known before. So the first one we call Vegas the Peacock. And just like Vegas, Las Vegas, it's glitz and glamour. They want to be famous, right? This person wants to be famous. They hate being bored. And like Vegas... They got stimulation everywhere and they're always looking for, take this, external stimulation. Because when they're by themselves, when they're doing nothing, they're bored, right? They hard to entertain themselves. They're also the person that loves telling stories and they'll cut you off because they've got a story to tell about their story, the story you're telling, right? So that I'm sure you know a few people like that. So that's uh, Vegas, the peacock, right? Next. We have the pigeon or the dove, depending on what resonates with you. But this person wants to be your friend. And just like a pigeon, when you think about them in the park, they're a pack animal, very, very flighty. So they're allergic to risk, right? They just want to be everybody's friend. So they want to pacify everyone. They're also very indecisive. So like you can't take that person to the Cheesecake Factory. Because there's 500 items on that menu. And when the waiter comes to ask them what they want, they're like, oh, come back to me in a minute. They're looking at everyone's. So you've got to be aware of this person is looking for peace, harmony. So in your presentation style, how are you communicating peace, harmony, no risk, no aggression, no excitement? Because if you're too excited, they're a flighty animal, right? You've got to approach them very calmly, very smoothly, right? So do you know any people like those two? Yeah, I'm just thinking about a few, and that, that's awesome. Love this. 
So the next one is we've got Liberty the Eagle, right? And Liberty is the Eagle. Like an Eagle, they are task-orientated. They will see that uh, food a mile away. They hone in on it, and they just boom, right? This person wants to be the boss. They want to be in control. They're fast-talking, and they're always task-ROI-orientated. They're the person that's going to be saying to you, what do I got to do? How long until I get the ROI? How do I make this happen, right? They're wanting to know the how, 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 right? And they want to go implement now. Don't make me wait seven days or like... If you're like, yeah, we're selling a coaching program and it's going to take 30 days for you to go through this trend. They're like, how do I watch this five-minute video and implement something now? I don't want to have to wait three weeks to implement because then your coaching program is going to piss these people off. And you're like, why does it not work for these people, right? Um, it's all about win-loss. Know anybody like that? Definitely. So there's four of those. They're individuals. Uh, I love that. I love that. That's that's streamlined. So now, so, is there so a there's one more? The, the oh, last sorry, go one, ahead. Right? Yeah. So the last one is the L, right? So the L is the person that would rather be right than rich. They're the detail-oriented person. And then the thing that uh, this person loves, uh, they hate taking risk at all, right? And they're, all, they're the blueprint type person. They're the type of person that's going to read every testimonial. They're going to read every white paper. They're going to read every online article. They're going to tell you where every spelling mistake is in everything you've ever written, right? That is that detailed analytical person you call them we call them the owl right so that remember they want to be right over rich and they hate uncertainty so you've got to give them a three-step process a seven-step process and you need to show them all seven steps all the way through and they are the person that'll see it all the way through otherwise it irks them internally sorry so and that 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 takes all four no, that's excellent. So now that we have all four, which is fantastic. Now, are, is there a tendency to have majority of them being, you know, doves or owls or is it, is it really just a mixed bag, honestly? It's really a mixed bag. And, and okay. you'll find in every company and every relationship, it's usually the, um, the it balances out. Uh, you've also got to realize is that the context is extremely important. You've got a primary bird and a secondary bird because you might be something when you're out traveling. You might be something when you're talking about financial. You might be something if they're talking about the kids or they're talking to someone about with their bosses around. So you have to be aware of that. And context is what's key with all this type of stuff. And the biggest mistake you can make is uh, flag somebody of some style without un understanding the context. Does that make sense? Okay. That, yeah, that does make sense. That's awesome. I love this. So now let's go to this ne next question. So imagine that we do have an owl, right? Analytical wants to walk through that whole process as a sales individual, right? Uh, because I think these are like cheat, really cheat codes, like being able to figure out their personality and then be able to create a custom plan because, hey, I'm not going to go too analytical and give this dove a seven-step process when they really don't care about it, right? They want peace, harmony, and so forth, whatever. So let's kind of dial into that. When you work with some of your clients, how do you teach and train those sales guys, not just to worry about the script? Because like you said earlier on, you can't just have a you know script that's just you know, uh, uh, general for everybody. It's generic. You got to have it very customable, uh, customized. So what does that look like when, when, let's just give one example of the owl. So when you're dealing with the owl, obviously you want to have your process as a three-step, seven-step, five-step process, right? You got to go look, Hey, on today's call, we're going to talk about three things. Uh, here's the agenda. Uh, I'm going to ask you some questions to identify the problem. And then we're going to see you, um, if this is even a good fit for you, right? So, um, you can go through and instantly they know the three steps. You've set the agenda, you've got the clarity and you're moving through there. So when you're talking to them, you also need to remember that this person is all about security, structure, systems, and they want rules. 
So on everything they're going to be talking to you about is what is the process for this? How does this move forward? What is the buying process? What is the sales cycle? What is the implementation? What does onboarding look like after I buy this? Like all this is important to them because this is how they're phrasing everything, right? Um, what they don't want is they hate salespeople because salespeople are pushing them towards the close and they've got questions about the technical elements of stuff. They've literally gone and thought about this. They're thinking about this. And one of the things salespeople will do is they'll ask a question and then they'll answer it themselves. And they're not giving this person time to think about it. They've got to count five Mississippis in their head because this person is thinking about it and wants to answer it. The worst thing you can ever do is answer your own question. And it's actually rude to this person. That's, that's uh, really good insight. Actually. I was just thinking about it throughout my sales, my sales career. I'm thinking, Oh my gracious. I, I literally did that numerous times. And I'm like, Oh man, I messed up on that. That's probably a lot why I lost the sale. Uh, so let's kind of go into the dove, for example. So let's kind of dive into this a little bit. Um, what are certain strategies or how would you adjust that approach for the Dove? Yeah, so uh, for, the, for the Dove, uh, they're all about wanting to be your friend, right? So when you're talking to them, they want security, they want to belong, they want to know there's a community, they want to know there's a tribe, they want to know how they get support. You got to show them how that um, they don't want to be around overbearing or uh, aggressiveness, right? They want to avoid confrontation at all. So, so the thing is you got to go, look, if you've got questions and if you need um, help with anything. Here's how you reach out to get help. Here's how you get active in the community. Here's how we're going to onboard you with this. Um, they hate the feeling of being rejected. So you need to show them how what you're doing is safe and secure, how other people are doing it, how other people have got results, how they're part of this tribe that's stepping forward. Does that make sense? It does. That's, that's brilliant. So it's really just really emphasizing the community, really emphasizing that you were going to be part of something big and so forth. Okay. I love that. And, and uh, the harmony, that piece. So let's go to the peacock. I have a feeling, I kind of know what that is, but I'd love to hear what the peacock is energetic. And <laughs> yeah. So this one's always energetic. They always got the stories. They're not much of the implementer a lot of the time because they're going to start stuff and get distracted. You're going to give them a five-step process and they're going to do step one, five, and three, right? They're going to do it out of order and they're going to wonder why they're not getting the results. Yet they're going to want the t-shirt. They're going to want the mug. They're going to want the fame. They're going to want the celebrity. They're going to make a lot of noise, but you may not be getting much from them. So the thing is, is how do you balance them out? And then you may have to go, look, this person's the peacock. So you know what? They need help on the execution and implementation because they aren't the implementer. They're the strategic thinker. They're the talker. They're the ones that wants to be in the meeting, strategizing stuff, not doing stuff. So how do you empower them to not be a problem? Like I was talking to one guy the other day who actually provides automation solutions. And he got to the point where it's like, I had to realize that I had to filter out peacocks because the peacocks were coming in. They were doing all the rawa, They were doing all the support tickets, but they weren't taking any action they were taking up all this time they're asking all these questions but never even implemented one step so he was burning resources supporting these people who are on this hamster wheel of like not following the program does that make sense it does and i was just actually thinking about this on the back end not only on the sales and on the front end but also on the back end for fulfillment right you can say hey uh, customer service this person's a dove make sure you really emphasize you know customer you know support you know community making sure that they get engaged with that 
uh, and the analytical person making sure that the onboarding process is very just you know, streamlined. Okay, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going and making sure that they're informed. And like you said, the energetic of Peacock, be able to either either filter it on the front end or just make sure that they're on the back end all hoopy, hoopy, loopy and excited. And they're the people that are the you know bringing the, the party energy. So <laughs> maybe yeah. make sure they're invited. So that's I love that. I love that. Um, so now let's talk a little bit about, and I, I wanted to kind of, pivot back to the KPIs because you were talking about, so I know some CRMs that analyze every little thing of, of that call, whatever it was from the words to the pain and the, and it like, you know, self, I mean, it's just, it's some incredible tools out there. However, though, as a sales individual like yourself uh, and professional an expert in it, what are some, because I think there's sometimes there's over KPIs, there's over metrics, but what are some metrics when you're analyzing some of this data that really helps you, like what are those key things that you should be focusing on in the call? Now, I'm not talking about like show up rate and all that stuff. I'm talking about in the call. Okay, this is what we're looking for. This is what we're dialing in. And like you said, really being able to create a baseline for your own self and then basically, you know, pushing that out consistently. Yeah, so we've started doing a lot of integrations with CRMs. And what's really cool is we're bringing what like this behavioral intelligence or emotional quota, right? The EQ to your CRM data. So imagine this, you're looking at your leads in your CRM. And literally beside each CRM, you, beside each lead, you can actually see the bird profile for every one of your leads. So you, in a glance, you know their personality type. Great. Do you know what? Maybe you've got to have four different email sequences created to actually support the email campaigns for the different personality types based on what they're looking for. We can also show you the emotional sentiment of uh, the last conversation you've had with that lead. Is it happy? Is it so-so neutral? Or is it, is it negative? And if it's negative, that creates a negative sentiment, which festers because we call that the happiness sandwich. People only remember the start of something and the end of something. They forget the middle. And the thing is, is if I'm in a negative state right now because of an interaction I've had with you or customer support or onboarding or whatever it is, and you don't solve that, that can actually increase churn and become a trigger to actually predicting churn. So you don't realize that you're, you're getting customers in, but you're churning them out because you've actually got a, um, a problem on, on the side. Like we can actually show you uh, conflict between the emotions between different people. Like they may love the sales rep, but when they go to this onboarding person, there's just a mismatch in the communication. There's a problem with the fulfillment. So it's not getting delivered. So you can actually start to identify what we call these social dynamics to improve your company culture. So a lot of the metrics you want to be tracking now in your sales conversations are literally what what's the overall mood of the conversation? How has it changed? What are the emotions at play? One of the things we track is disgust. Because what's interesting about disgust is that if you trigger disgust, it actually, you've pissed people off enough for them to take positive action to kill everything you've got going on. They're going to run in the opposite direction. So you can create disgust with your team. You can create disgust with your clients. And most people are oblivious to it. Let's talk. I'm just thinking here. Let's talk a little bit more about that here because I, uh, just go ahead and continue with that because I really like to figure out how to leverage this stuff because I've I've looked at some of these people's CRMs and, and you just got so much and how to make sure that you're optimizing every piece of data that you have because I know that there's a word count. I know there's a word count for the salesperson versus the customer. You know, there are certain metrics that, okay, hey, the, the customer should be talking 80% of the time. And if that's not happening there, you know, why is that, right? Um, well, we don't track word count. If we go, okay. who asked the most questions? So okay. we analyze the speakers, we for go. example, and we analyze the two different personality styles, but we go, hold on, 
if the sales rep is not asking the most questions, were they out of control in the call? call? And the thing is, is what is the emotion of the client after each question was asked? Which kind of gives you some new metrics to start tracking, right? Mm-hmm. So what kind, of, what kind of emotions do you, do you find, okay, this is a good call, this facilitates a good result, and obviously this kind of, I would imagine anger, frustration, or annoyance would, would be, you know, facilitating a non-close. But there's other, you know, emotions. Just being aware of it. I'm just curious. Well, one of the things you want to be aware of is, is the arc of that. A lot of salespeople will make the mistake is they'll die for that problem. They'll get people in that problem state, but they'll leave them there without any happy ending. So they don't show them how your system is going to transition them to the promised land and therefore be happy and therefore see themselves in that happy state. So if you've left them in the negative, that means the sales rep is missing something in the conversation flow to transition them out and make that sale through. Um, So that's very, very important to be aware of. Does that make sense? It does. So let's kind of dive into that a little bit, because I think that's very important for our audience a little bit, because I think that was overarching. Uh, uh, and I know exactly what you're talking about just from being in, in sales for quite a while. So I don't know if our audience understands that as well. So you're basically saying here, you've got certain questions and they're in the pain. You're asking pain questions. Hey, why are you in this pain? Why did you just get to this phone call? What, you know, what, what's, what's holding you back? Why have you achieved that result that you really want? Right. Those are pain questions, right? Well, it's because of this. It's because of that, man. If you don't, if you don't fix this, what, what does that future look like? Oh man, it just sucks. It's going to be horrible. Right. What have you tried? that hasn't succeeded, right? Well, I've tried, you know, doing this, doing this, doing this, doing that. Okay. So why do you think those haven't worked? Well, it's because it hasn't worked because of this, this, right? So being able to close in all those things, other, they've tried other things. Now they're in pain, they're in frustration. You ask deep wise, and then being able to help them go from pain to pleasure and tying your product or solution to that pleasure. So let's talk a little bit about that, Ben, and, and how do you process that, that arc? Yeah. So one of the things you want to be aware of is, as I said, is the happiness sandwich, right? And like, how do things start? How do things finish? Um, Identifying the questions asked is always good. Uh, One of the things we track is locus of control and how are you framing who's in control, what's in control as throughout that transition. We can even take it as far as identifying the needs, like uh, Mavlov's needs map of what are the needs that we can extract linguistically from the person you're talking to and the sales rep and how do they overlay? So for example, is the sales rep all about achievement, right? When the, when the person they're talking to is all about recognition. So there's a mismatch on actually how their communication, we can actually track if your communication is actually in sync. And one of the things we can actually predict is if your style of communicating is not in sync, right? We can actually show you that this person with over the course of three months is probably more likely to churn because they just don't feel a connection and a resonance with you. Or you're not going to convert them because you haven't got in sync with their style. Does that make sense? Or you haven't brought them into your style. Very, very important metric. Yeah, it's extremely important. I know exactly what you're saying because, see, there's a difference between, okay, here's a nice script. Wonderful. I can say those words, but for some reason, I'm not in sync with that person. And that becomes a little bit of art. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about that. How do you transfer someone? Because that's more intermediate expert level salesperson. They've been in it. It was just trial and error. They've done it. And it's just a matter of getting into sync. So how do you get into those those subconscious sinks, if you will, to get deep down into and building that trust? Um, Because now we're talking intermediate expert level salespeople. 
And that really comes down to the, the questions you're asking, right? And the, how you're engaging in the questions. And we actually see the sale is actually won at the start based on the questions you're asking, not at the end when you're trying to close. Um, so if you've done the, if you haven't created the problem correctly and identified the real core problem and the emotions behind that problem, your closing strategy is going to be flawed and it's going to require high, high pressure. Um, one of the things you can always be doing is looking at what we classify as the consequence of failing to act, right? Which is really important. And you might be just asking them something simply along the lines of, so what if, Christian, you don't do anything about this marketing problem you've got and your situation gets even worse, right? See the tonality, see the pausing, and you see that like you're asking them to think about, well, what if this gets worse? And most people never ask that question. That's a very valuable, valuable question. I love that. Um, and you're, you're also assuming that if it does get worse, what does that look like? Visualizing that, that, that future as well and helping them visualize that. Um, now, yeah. let me ask you, B2B, B2C I've, I found is very more emotional. Right? It can be a one-call close. It can be like a two-call close or something like that. It's not as long. B2B, though, I found is, is, is a little longer close. You know, Sometimes, depending upon what you're selling, it may take 30 days, 40 days, or whatever. So how do you keep that momentum going as a salesperson to make sure you're following up, making sure that you, you're keeping that consistency going? Or is it just more of B2B? It's just more you're dealing with professionals. You send them an invoice you know, in, in, in that process a little bit. What, what does that look like, man? Well, even on the B2B, when the, pro the sales cycle is extended, you've got to ask uh, a lot of the problems we see is that people have been asking logical-based questions with no emotion. Remember, you're still dealing with people. People buy from people and people make emotional-based decisions. Just because it's B2B doesn't mean you can skip the emotion. That's what a lot of people do. Like, yeah, I'm dealing with B2B. Yeah, it's a six-month cycle. But you fail to address the emotion of all the decision makers. And the thing is, is, What's the just like one of the big questions you can ask is how will this process or this automation system we're providing you um, impact your company? I'm not asking for the decision makers. I'm asking how will it impact the company? And then how will it impact you personally? And who else would it impact? Because now I'm wanting to understand is. Okay, if all these other partners are going to be impacted, like if legal is going to be impacted, if sales or marketing or finance or HR is going to be impacted, well, now I found out there's other decision makers. And now we've got to go, so would it be relevant for us to create some strategies for implementation for those other departments to help you in this process? That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And that right there is like, just like you said, how many times have us salespeople, business owners got to the end of the phone call and like, well, uh, let's thank so much for the information. I'm going to go and take it to uh, our, our upline or, or our, um, our CEO or our business owner. And they're not, the decision maker is not on there. And this right here basically allows you to make sure you're not in that situation where you have to overcome that objection. You can say, hey, you know what, how is this going to impact your business overall and who else needs to be on here, right? And now you can obviously isolate that. Uh, which is just beautiful. There's just so many good techniques and so many good bombs uh, that, that you're that you're sharing. I appreciate it. Uh, now let's kind of talk a little bit about like the, you know, the the, um, the the subconscious aspect behind it, 
right? Uh, now that people are going more video platform versus phone call, have you found that uh, that has been a better close ratio as well? I mean, tonality, everything else that has to still, you know, be in play, but, you know, adding video as well as um, audio, uh, you know, just audio versus phone call, um, which one have you found is the best for, for our sales teams and your, and your sales teams and clients? We've actually found that most people don't know how to adapt to the video or the thing is, is they're using Zoom and they've got the video off. I'm like, well, that's the worst thing you can be doing because the video actually allows them to show that you're real. One of the things we can actually see with video is how your body language is not agreeing with your own presentation. So for example, if you go and you're talking about a feature and you do a single shoulder raise, right? A single shoulder pop, doesn't matter which shoulder, it can be any shoulder. It actually means doubt, non-belief. So at that point in time, you doubt it. And you know what's weird is subconsciously, you receive that and process that information. And all of a sudden, you get this gut feeling about, you know what, something is just, I can't put my finger on it, but something just doesn't feel right. right? And yet the sales guy's like going, I did the script. I was excited. It was an awesome conversation. And they don't realize how they're sabotaging their own kind of thing because of their own crap going in their head. Brilliant, brilliant. See, so because I, I've noticed that I was talking to a few business owners and they've been, obviously everything's been pivoting since, since uh, COVID and so forth. Everybody's been you know, on Zoom and so forth and just tons of different things. And so a lot of the sales teams, now people are more comfortable and familiar with leveraging Zoom. So it's like, you know, people are more adaptable. Like they know how to do it. You know, you're talking older population, younger population, doesn't really matter. So your audience leverages Zoom. And so um, one guy, he says, you know, it was just, it's been taken off like crazy. Like my close ratio has been like almost 40%, which is unheard of uh, from a cold audience. And it's like, okay, wow, that's, that's unbelievable. So with this, um, you know, I, let, let's kind of talk a little bit of some strategies and techniques, because obviously you still need to bring tonality. You still need to bring confidence. You need to still, you know, bring in, you know, that, that cadence, right? That, um, but what are the things, obviously looking at the, the video itself, what other techniques help making sure that, okay, you know, there's no distractions closing that and making sure um, that there's a better result at the end for the sales guy. Yeah. A lot of the times is the sales guy just needs to be aware of what's going on in this. And they need to have a feedback loop of just like, if you go and analyze your zoom calls afterwards, like, yeah, you've had the video on. Yeah. They've had the video on like step back and watch that call again. I can promise you 99% of people I would confidently say, uh, aren't even recording their calls. So they can't even watch their playbacks, right? Which is a huge mistake. Because if you were, you'd be able to understand how to get better, right? And the other part is, is go listen to yourself. I know it's painful. I know you're sitting there going, oh my God, I just said that. Like, that's the only way you're going to get better. There is no magic bullet. I could give you the perfect script, but you'll goof it up. And when you are going to goof it up, this is the problem. Like as we teach people our questioning process and how to use this behavioral analysis, it feels uncomfortable. You have to get used to it. You have to really be aware of about tonality. And the only way you can do that is through role-playing, through testing it, through looking at feedback and understanding what went wrong. And that's one of the reasons why we created the software we did, because it allows us to actually give people that feedback loop and show them the points of 
things they need to be aware of, right? Because if you've just done three calls, five calls, 10 calls a day, how are you going to listen to them all? You can't, right? So the thing is, is how do we give people a feedback loop to empower them? And if you're running or looking to grow a sales team, this is critically important. How do you give people this feedback loop and just don't let them sit in their own emotional perception because it will be biased, right? We need to understand and we need to look at it. And you should make everybody start the day with a role play. Uh, you should make everybody watch a testimonial or, two or read a testimonial to to keep believing because your belief is critical. If you do not believe in what you're doing, it ain't going to work. It, you could be like, it does not matter. And one of the things we'll find is like, if you don't have belief, when it comes to pricing and presenting, you will collapse your entire offering. And that's when people usually... Uh, it's all price-based sale and not a value-based sale. Like they could have did everything right, but just crumble at the end. And as a result, you destroy all trust, you destroy all credibility, you destroy everything. Well, let's talk about that because you're exactly right. I mean, how many times have we gotten to the point at the end and sure they quote unquote see the value, but it's at the end of the day, it's the price, right? The price is, and they may, you know, have the money, right? But for some reason, they just don't go full throttle. Uh, and just because like you said, at the end, at the beginning, really the first 10 minutes or so, you, you lost that value. You lost that building, that, 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 that trust, like you said. Um, so what is that difference and how do you make sure that, okay, hey, you're really emphasizing that, that value base um, instead of just, hey, hey, you know, we're, we're $5 cheaper. Hey, you know, because what I found is, I could give this guy, and I remember numerous times I've been over backwards to get this guy to, you know, take action. Hey, if I brought it down to five thousand for over, you know, six months, would you take action? Blah blah blah. And you just bending over backwards. At the end of the day, the guy didn't take action. Um, you know, if I gave you a hundred eighty day money back guarantee, all this stuff, right? Uh, and he still didn't take action because at the end of the day, I didn't, like you said, sync with the person, and that's where I really lost the sale. It wasn't really at all about the price; it was about the value. So I'd love to talk a little yeah. bit about that, my man. And, and yeah, that's the that's the collapsing on that value proposition. And now you're chasing them. So instantly, subconsciously, you've gone into chase mode. If you go into chase mode, it is dead. It is dead. And you've lost all power and authority. And it's like, why should I even trust you? Right? The thing is, is if you don't even believe in the value of your product, why should I? Just think about that. Like put yourself in the buyer's mindset and experience one time. Right? And understand how like, yeah, we've been told all these tactics from these gurus or whatever who may have never sold the damn thing in their life, right? Yet, unrealizing how it's impacting the conversation. Uh, like value stacking is fine, but if it's not connected to the problem that I'm experiencing and if I can't see the value of that, it don't matter. You can stack a Ferrari onto this. I'm just like, I really don't know, man. Well, what I find so interesting, and, and I love just diving into this, this is so fascinating because it's not just so relevant to sales, right? We, we, we push it towards sales, but all these techniques in, in your tonality and, and the way you're talking, I mean, you, you could you could emphasize it toward politicians, toward uh, you know business ownership when you have your PR and, and your brand awareness to you know obviously just small engagement of speaking and so forth, you know, speaking in front of an audience. It's just so many techniques that you're saying right now that you could emphasize and deploy in other aspects of your life uh, that I just, I think is could develop into massive fruition. So that's why I'm glad we're able to talk about this. So before we uh, dive into the next thing here, I'd love to talk a little bit about your company. So obviously you, you've been kind of 
diving in. Your company helps a tremendous amount in this aspect. Uh, kind of tell me a little bit about obviously your company and how you were able to develop it and produce it and, and kind of the client results that you've been able to establish because of uh, working with you. Yeah. So one of the big things we did is like, as we said, this feedback loop is a huge problem. So for example, we created software that allows you to turn a LinkedIn profile or email into a personality assessment. So then you can use that to better engage or better approach people. And then we're like, clients were like, great, well, we're having these conversations. How can you help us analyze the conversation? So then we did the conversational analysis, which is what we call sales insights. And it can be as literally, it can be as simple as connecting your inbox to our system. And we can scan every email you've ever sent and received. And then like we map it out to literally show you the relationships of, hey, you're talking to these, these staff on the inside and uh, there's conflict here, or maybe they're not happy or they're dissatisfied. So we can show you points of churn. We can show you culture impact. Um, we analyze, you can uh, upload your Zoom recordings automatically. Uh, like we just did in integration with Close.io, the sales CRM, to literally take everything you're doing in, in Close and give you all these insights so you can better enable your sales team on, a, on that level. They can understand how did that call really go? Did I have influence in my presentation? And they can start to see, particularly for a complex sale. Like I was talking to a security company the other day and they have 30 conversations over six months. I'm like, do you really need all 30 conversations? And he's like, I've never thought about it before. I'm like, so have you ever analyzed like when you get the engineers on the phone and they're talking engineering stuff, but they're talking to the, the peacock that the peacock don't give a crap. It, it doesn't even understand it. So the thing is, is you've just had one, two, three calls that could have been two hours long each that you didn't need to even need to have. And like when you start to analyze like the sales cycle, like looking at it as a bigger picture, you can start to get some really powerful insights. And that's what we enable for people. Like we've got a very simple, you, um, you connect, even we do this with Slack or Teams. We can literally analyze every piece of communication that's going on in there and show you points of uh, awareness that you should be paying attention to or things you can do to improve. So it's like this real-time feedback loop on every conversation you have. And that's what's impressive. Well, I love this because see, you know, when I was, when I had a, a team of six to 10 salespeople, I, I sold my company now. So it's just, it's just, you know, I just do a coaching consulting right now. But when I had that, I could see the value that you can bring to the table because see, instead of being, you know, we always think we got to have more leads. We got to have more phone calls, right? And a quantity game. Now it's more of, okay, hey, we can be very strategic and really kind of sniper like. And saying, okay, now we know who we're talking to. They know our, we know their pain, their frustration. We also know their personality. And boom, all of, all of a sudden they feel so valued. They're like, wow, this is amazing throughout the whole process from the cold audience to now all of a sudden they're like, wow, this is amazing. And the close ratio goes up and you don't have to work. Like you said, I, I just, I, I think that's such a mindset switch in today's world because we truly think, and, and you know, I think I struggle with this as well, you know, it's about, more phone calls, more leads, more this, more that on the front end. Uh, and I do know even on the back end, you know, when you have them uh, and you treat them on the front end, the fulfillment and the lifetime value of that customer, well, shoot, the churn rate drops because now all of a sudden you're targeting and you're clicking and you're working with those individuals uh, and you're, you're, that's where your business really explodes. So one let's talk about- points I wanna, One of the points I want to touch on there is you said something really important that I want to make sure that people get. Like you can improve your marketing system all day long. You can double, triple your leads. But if you suck at having a conversation with them, it don't matter what you do. 
Like if you don't have this conversational feedback on how to improve, like we can two to five X your current sales conversion rates, right? Because we can, we break down every element of your sales conversation and help you frame things better, remove resistance, remove this emotional drama, which makes things less pressure, more enjoyable, right? So the thing is, is yeah, you can. And a lot of the people will focus on, I want more leads. I need more leads because they're doing the bad sales conversation. So how many people do you know really focus on the spoken script and how we're speaking to their sales conversations? Uh, And if you're a small company, this is critical because you don't need more leads. If you've got a good consistent flow of leads, what you need to be doing is being more effective in converting those sales. And if you're not happy with your current sales conversions, I can guarantee it's not the leads. It's not the leads. The leads is the excuse you give when you're not willing to accept that you don't know how to communicate effectively. So powerful. So true, man. And I'm glad we're really emphasizing that because uh, that there is a misconception. I know the marketing team and the sales team, they always get frustrated with each other, right? The sales team, we want better leads. The marketing team, we want more leads or whatever. And, and the reality is just this is a total paradigm shift and saying, hey, you know what? It's, it's totally inaccurate. It's more of just the right leads. And, and you don't have to have quantity. It is quality. And having that, like you said, that communication and all of a sudden, you know, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Love that, man. Love that. So let's talk a little bit about kind of the results that you've been able to create for some of your clients because of well, just your, your, your incredible sniper-like strategies. Yeah, so there's a few main things we do. We help them shorten their sales cycle. So for like that security client, we were able to help them reduce the conversations they needed, analyze, like do they were doing things because that's how the enterprise sales process works, not realizing is is it is that their way we have to do it, right? So we were able to shorten their sales cycle and therefore improve them, which saved them massive dollars because some of the calls they had on, they had six people on that call, right? So the thing is their cost per call was in the thousands of dollars. And just think about that from a sales effectiveness flow, right? Uh, Single sales reps, we've literally been able to help them improve their double 5X, their closing rates, because they're far more effective. Like, and you you gain confidence with that. One of the big things we give people is really confidence in their ability to have a conversation and have that conversation result in a passionate client who wants to work with them. And when you can get to that level, Man, the game changes. And it's all about understanding the consumer process has changed. And that's one of the biggest transformations we make for people. Like, for example, I was talking to someone we started working with the other day. And they're like, man, I get lost. Like, I don't even know what to say on a LinkedIn introduction. They're like, I'm lost there. So we literally gave them the scripts. We gave them the words to use. So I see a lot of the problems that people have in sales is is their process is fly by the seat of their pants. That is not a process. That is not a a repeatable or scalable system, boys and girls, right? You need to be comfortable with asking these questions. You need to have these questions memorized and the script style memorized. And if you do that, your sales will skyrocket. That's like one of the things we do is we have a 5X coaching program. 
And then the goal is, is to help you 5X your sales conversions over 90 days. And literally, we coach people through the questions to ask, how to ask it. We analyze every script they're doing. We give them full access to our software and they upload their call recordings. Then we break it down and we help them role play. And we're like, hey, when you're dealing with that objection, try saying it this way. And they'll be like, oh my God, I'm like just the little tweaks. It's constant little tweaks that kind of transform the entire thing. Does that make sense? I apologize. Can you hear me? Uh, I can. Yes. There we go. Yeah. So I was just saying, yeah, I think that's just remarkable to see what you're saying and, and to understand it because I, I, and that's why I think it's so important imperative because it is a very strategic approach in, in the way you, uh, you come to it. Um, just, just beautiful. And I think it's just really cool that you also you've leveraged some artificial intelligence with your company to be able to analyze all that data because data is king. I mean, we, we know that because we see what Facebook's been able to do. We see what Google's been able to do. We understand that they have access to all this data and that's how, that's the reason why their ad platforms are just stupid, um, amazing, right? Uh, you know, and so forth because of the results. So uh, that's why I think it's so, so beautiful. So uh, before we let you go though, Ben, um, you know, first of all, I really just want to thank you for, for being on our podcast and being able to share some really in-depth expert level, you know, really intermediate expert level stuff. Off right here. Uh, but before we let you go, Ben, how can our audience reach out to you? Several of them are business owners are probably listening. Yeah. How can they reach out to you, my man? Yeah, really easy. They can reach out to behaviorsales.com. And if they want to submit some questions, just help at behaviorsales.com. And if they do that and they reach out and they mention the uh, podcast, we'll literally give them a copy of the book, uh, the ebook and some bonus training videos uh, for free at no cost. So they can uh, do that and get that benefit and That'll help them out there for sure. Um, but behaviorsales.com if for anyone who literally wants to take their sales game to the next level. Awesome. And guys, that link will be in the description below. So you make sure you click on this. Make sure you reach out to Ben here uh, and his company and obviously really just scale your, your life to the next level. Whatever that price is, right? Obviously, his, his return on investment is just beautiful. Uh, but before we let you go, Ben, is there any last words that you'd like to share with our audience, my man? Yeah, one of the best things I can say, like, hey, if you're doing all this marketing stuff and you're doing this stuff, don't forget the importance of um, conversations. If you can just start to be more effective, use the bird styles and mastering identifying personality styles, you'll be amazed at how you can just start to connect or you perceive that person differently and understand you can almost like predict how they're going to do things or why they're doing things. So it's kind of like you're in the own matrix, which kind of gets exciting because you always, and then I'll add a disclaimer this to this, never assume you know what their objection is or what the pain is of their problem they have. Always ask them. You need them to say their problem. And remember, if you're looking to influence or persuade someone, the ultimate art of persuasion is having them persuade themselves. And that means they've got to say it. So ask them what their problem is. Ask them what that means. Uh, hey, you say you don't have money. What do you mean you don't have money to invest in this? Uh, what does that mean? Like ask them that clarifying question. And it may not be that they have money. They don't have money today, but tomorrow they've got a $50,000 check landing. And it's just like, they've got to wait 24. Like most people completely mess this up. So always, always, always clarify, clarify, clarify. Don't assume you know, even if you've heard it a hundred times, because I can promise you, you don't know what their life is like. You don't know what their shoes are like. So valuable. So valuable. My man, thank you so much, guys. This is Christian, Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast with Ben, my man. Make sure you guys reach out to him. Uh, until next time, guys, remember, be uncommon.